Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Sunday night, amen in the house of the Lord. Brother Malone said he wasn't a very good companion because he, 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 he does tend to sleep. But he talks in his sleep, and I want to tell you a few things. I want to tell you a few things that he said. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. As far as I know, he did. He don't. <clears throat> to my knowledge, any time that I've been with him. Amen. Turning to the book of 1 Corinthians. New Testament scripture, 1 Corinthians. Amen. So opportunities for revival and services and fellowship and things coming up. Amen. I came in here uh, Friday night. I don't even remember what for. I think I was picking back up my backpack or something. And Brother Malone had his Bible study going on and had a pretty decent crowd of people in there on Friday. And then Brother and Sister Mason had youth going on in the back. And it does my heart well to see two things taking place simultaneously. And please don't misunderstand this when I say it. And I don't have to be a part of either one of them. You understand the spirit in which I say that. And I don't have to be a part of either one of them. Amen. Actually, I think I was coming in to grab my backpack because my wife had me here in yonder at yard sales after she got off work. I think actually is what it is. <clears throat> Family time. Family time. Let me just say it like this. I went with cash in my wallet, and I had to surrender it to my son and my wife. I don't have any of that cash back, although I don't think it was all spent. And that's the way it works. If I... If I ever have cash in my wallet, it will stay there till Jesus comes. By and large, it is really just a holding place for anybody else is what I deduce. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Yeah, I get that honestly. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Just two verses of scripture here. Uh, the apostle Paul is wrapping up a letter to the church of Corinth. Uh, he's making some statements. He's given, as he typically does with his letters, you know, tell such and such hello and blah, 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 so on and so forth. But there's just two verses here. He's writing this in advance. He's, he's not in Corinth when he writes this, but he's writing this in advance. And he says in verse number eight, he says, but I will tarry it at, at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. A great door and effectual is open to me. And there are many adversaries. Just for a little while tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to minister this. Breaking barriers. Breaking barriers. This is the nutshell tonight. So you might want to leave after this. But this is the nutshell. Any time that you are making strides and headway for God, and you might be entering a new dimension, a new level, a deeper relationship. You're going to have a fight on your hands. It will never come without opposition. 
And so you got a choice to make. Press on or give up. Go ahead or retreat. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about breaking barriers. Father, I come to you, Jesus, Lord, tonight. And I'm thankful, Lord, for your spirit. Thankful, Lord, for every song, Lord Jesus, that has been sung. God, thankful, Lord, for the camaraderie, Lord Jesus, of the people here tonight. I pray, oh God, open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to your spirit, God, and to your word. God, Lord Jesus, say something, Lord, that could be beneficial, Lord, to someone in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah and amen of the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Jesus' name, breaking barriers. Sound travels at a speed of 767 miles per hour. That is, it travels one mile in 4.69 seconds. Mach 1 speed is equal to the speed of sound. Therefore, you must exceed the speed of Mach 1, that speed, to break the sound barrier. You must travel somewhere around 768 miles per hour to achieve this. Around World War II, scientists and engineers thought mock speeds might be impossible in a manned aircraft, an aircraft that had an individual inside of it. Their hesitance had everything to do with what happened at 767 miles per hour, equaling those, that, that same speed of sound. Because just before a plane breaks the sound barrier, all the created energy is pushing against the plane. Think of it in this way, if you will. Think of riding an old rickety wooden roller coaster in midair. And the shaking and the jerking and the rattling, all of that taking place. Well, all of that shaking and that jerking and that rattling made more than just a few pilots throttle back rather than throttling forward because of what they were experiencing right before. They broke through the sound barrier. But all of the shaking and the jerking and the rattling was really trying to tell the pilot, you're close to a breakthrough. You're close to breaking a barrier that's there if you can just hang on for just one more mile per hour. You'll break through this thing and find a little relief on the other side of this. I understand tonight that this is also true to our life, that when we as Christians are on the verge of a breakthrough, we kind of experience the same jerking and the same rattling and some of the same shaking whenever it may just be one mile per hour that separates you, so to speak, from breaking a barrier. It seems like in those moments what happens from the experience of my life and from what I can even read in Scripture that all of life and all the adversarial proponents will seem to be unleashed in the moment that you're about ready to break through another level. Break through a barrier, reach a new height, reach a deeper relationship with God. It's not going to be smooth sailing. You're going to feel all of the energy of force against you as you're about ready to break through. But you got to decide and understand that while all of this is being unleashed right now and while I'm, I'm facing and I'm fighting things in my mind and I'm fighting things with everything else that is around me, God is on the verge of helping me get through to a new experience, a new 
level a breakthrough. Because here's the fact of the matter. If we allow all of those other things to discourage us and intimidate us, we might be reluctant and we might want to back off and, and remain a little short than just advancing forward. Amen. And our lives will just be a little shy of breaking the bear or having a breakthrough. So you got to ask, are you satisfied to stay where you are? Are you ready to go a little further? Amen. Someone say amen. Those components that accompany a breakthrough causes a lot of us to ease up. Amen. Whenever the turbulence per se increases in our life when we're close, amen, to going to a new level, if I could say it like this, amen, as we approach that breakthrough moment, I got to either press forward or I got to back down. The Apostle Paul stated it perhaps best in his writing to the church at Corinth. He told the Corinthians, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tarry here at Ephesus because there is a great door and effectual opened unto me. In other words, Paul's letting them know here at Ephesus, I have a grand opportunity that is presented to me. There, there's an opportunity for the gospel. There's an opportunity for the Lord. There's a great door. There's, there's an access that's been presented to me as an apostle right here in Ephesus. And this just wasn't any door. The Bible says it was great. It was effectual. It was an effective opportunity, an effective door. And whenever you begin to read, and you can read in your Bibles, and you might follow along with me just a little bit, but when you go back to Acts chapter 19, Acts 19 relates to us some of Paul's missionary journey through Ephesus. It's in Ephesus 19 and 5 that we understand. Look at the great door, the effectual door that was open to the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that he found certain disciples that were there, 12 of them in particular, and he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 6 that the Apostle Paul laid his hands upon those whom he had baptized and they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. Speaking in tongues amen accompanying that the Bible says you can just kind of look through 19 that he spoke boldly there in the synagogue for three months he disputed and persuaded about the things concerning the kingdom of God the Bible says that he continued his talks in the school of one called Tyrannius for two years so we have about now two years three months that Paul is tearing in the city of Ephesus because of this great door. Verses 11 says that God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul while he was in Ephesus. It's here that we get the practice of prayer cloths. The Bible says that Paul would have on a garment or, or an apron and they would he would take that apron he would discard that amen at the end of, of ministry or a day and from his body then was brought handkerchiefs and aprons to the sick and the Bible says that the diseases departed from those that were sick and what always amazes me it also says that evil spirits were disbanded amen by 
by cloths that were taken and given to those that were in need of it. Special miracles happening at Ephesus. That's a great door. That's an effectual door. People were involved, the Bible says in the 19th verse, people that were involved in the curious arts or that were in the occult and things of that nature were burning their books and burning their magic spell books and things like that was taking place while Paul was in Ephesus. The Bible says in verse 20 that the word of God increased throughout all of Ephesus while he was there. Folks, I don't know if that excites you or not, but that that is a great opportunity for the Apostle Paul. I mean, we're having baptisms. We're having people receive the Holy Ghost. We have the word of God that's increasing. We have miracles that are taking place. Why wouldn't Paul want to tarry in Ephesus, right? I mean, those are tremendous things. Why wouldn't he want to stay for two years and three months? Great things were happening. Great things were taking place. But perhaps the door's greatness and its effectiveness are really captured, I believe, in verse number 10. When the Bible says that while he is there in that area and in that place, so that all they which dwelled in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. In other words, while he was at Ephesus, it seems like word leaked out, not just in Ephesus, but in all of Asia, hearing the word of God. Ephesus became an epicenter of revival for all of Asia. Things had just exploded. It had just exploded. Things, people's getting the Holy Ghost here. They're being baptized here. There's a miracle happened there. It almost reads as though this was a regular occurrence at a man, Ephesus. And it went beyond the Jews. It went beyond the common man of the Jew. It went to the Gentile as well. And so that middle wall of division, amen, is being torn apart. Things are rocking, amen, at Ephesus. And if I stopped there tonight, we would say glory, amen, thank God. God for the revival happening in Ephesus. That great door, uh, that effectual door, we would say, man, I want that type of revival at, at First Apostolic Church of Mount Carmel. People being baptized and we've had it. People receiving the Holy Ghost and we've had it. Amen. Spiritual miracles. Amen. And all of these things, elevated view of God's word. Yes, I want it. I want it. I want it. Amen. We want the pervading revival. Amen. That surpasses the bound boundaries of just our city. We want it to reach Cowling and Allendale and Albion and areas all around, all types of people from all types of life, of every demographic. We, we want that type of revival. But Paul didn't tell us about the door alone. Paul didn't tell us about the door alone. He also told us that there are many adversaries. He says, I'm going to tarry here because there's a great door and effectual, but he says, and there are many adversaries. What are you saying? Paul was experiencing the shaking. Paul was experiencing the jerking. Paul was experiencing, if you will, all of those sorts of things that precede a breakthrough, that precede breaking down a barrier. He was on the cusp of breaking a barrier, and he did break it. The Bible says that Paul didn't just say Ephesus and stay there because of the great door, but he lingered there because it was a great door with many adversaries that were interested in it as well. Listen, you know the greatness of the door by the greatness and the number of the adversaries that's interested in the door you're about ready to walk through. 
if he wasn't fighting you, then it must not be that much of a door. If he didn't get all the imps gathered together, amen, almost like in a huddle against you, then it would be no big deal. But if you feel the heat, if you feel the struggle, then God is trying to push you through, lead you through a door that is effectual, that is great, that is meaningful, that is prosperous, that is successful, that is effective. So you must understand tonight that Paul's just not staying here because of the door. He's staying there because the adversary must know the importance of the door. And if it's of interest to them, it should be of interest to me. Someone say amen. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're approaching a barrier. We're approaching a breakthrough. But we got the attention of the adversaries. That should tip off to us. This must be a notable door. This must be a grand step in a level or a degree, amen, that I am attempting for the kingdom of God. John Bloom said it like this. He said, and the evidence of that, and the evidence that a location is strategic is almost always revealed by the amount of enemy forces amassed to protect it. Protect it. He's speaking in very literal terms of battle and warfare. That whenever our army is going to a particular location or site to try to penetrate a boundary in war, if there, if there are a lot of adversaries people on the opposite side of the fence that are warriors show up at that spot, then that must be a spot they for sure, by all means, do not want taken. Amen. They for sure doesn't want someone to pass over that line. Someone say amen. Also at Ephesus, many were hardened, the Bible says. You can read this in Acts, in Acts 19. We read the other things, but also at Ephesus, there were many people that were hardened in their heart and their minds. They spoke evil to others of the message that Paul was preaching. So he's preaching truth. People are being baptized. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. But the other side to the coin is this. He was meeting opposition as well. There were people that were trying to discount the message that he was speaking. There are people that were trying to bring opposition to the message. You see what's going on here. There's an effectual door, but there's also adversaries. We're on the verge of a breakthrough, but there's also some pressure in the push of trying to get through because of what had happened. There was people we know because of what had happened, we read special miracles, people being healed of disease, evil spirits being cast out. Folks, if that was taking place, what we know about Ephesus is this. There were lost people at Ephesus. There were diseased people at Ephesus. There was demonically possessed people at Ephesus. If they were burning the books of the occult, that meant there was some type of sorcery. Someone hear me? Paul was in a place of trying to break a barrier and a boundary. Walk through a door where all of that type of stuff is. You can't do that without getting the attention of a spirit of infirmity. Without getting the attention of an adversary that's attached to the sorcery and the occult. The Bible says 
in Acts 19 that he even got he even got the attention of Demetrius who was a silversmith. He wrought in the metals and he would make images of their goddess Diana and he spoke to them and other craftsmen in the city and town. He says, I want you to know by this man Paul and by the message he is speaking and what he's teaching, he's basically telling others and they're deducing that our God is no God at all and it's hurting ourselves of the images and the idols that we're making and that's affecting our pocketbook. That's affecting our living and, and that almost really comes against our temple that we have made unto Diana. And the Bible says that there came a grand gathering of all the people even to such the theater in the city of Ephesus. And, and they began to cry out for two hours because of all this, just saying, great is Diana, great is Diana, great is Diana. What's going on? There's this all of this rabble and all this commotion because when there's a great door and it's effectual, you're going to have the other side of the story as well. I'm trying, if I can, tonight just open someone's attention that what you may be going through right now what you may be facing right now right here in your life in your mind in the real world could just be a result of where you're going can someone say amen Friends of Paul, this is how bad it was. Friends of Paul, even cautioned Paul. He said, Paul, we got, we, they're, they're screaming great as Diana right now here in the theater. And I know usually you'd be right here in the middle of it all. But his, even his friends told him and cautioned him, Paul, don't be coming in this theater. You, you might walk in with your head, but you might not be walking out with your head. No, don't be coming in this place right now because there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of uncertainty. Hey, Amen. And Paul could have cowered. He could have said, well, I believe that's my exit to go on and get out of Dodge. He, he could have given in right in that moment and left the crowd yelling and going and leave Ephesus much sooner than he did. But according to his estimation, he understood that all of this clamor, everything that's happening right now is telling me I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. I'm on the horizon of breaking a barrier. And it's not time for me to draw back. It's time for me to press forward. It's not time for me to throw in the towel. It's not time for me to back up. It's time for me to put my face to the wind and say we got this with God. This is too great a door. This is too great an up. The adversary would nothing more like you to tuck your tail and run. He would like you to feel the shake and the jerk and the rattling and say, forget that, I'm out. But I'm telling you, if you can get on the opposite side of that, if you can press through that, if you... Someone say amen. I'm convinced according to scripture... The greater the door, the greater the adversary. In Daniel 10, Daniel had fasted and he had prayed for 21 days. He prayed the first day and his prayer was basically for this purpose. He wanted understanding of the visions that the Lord had given him. He wanted understanding for visions that, that pertain to the last days. I'm talking about last days. And so he prayed about that unto the Lord. 
And he gets it. He gets the understanding. But the understanding that is delivered and given to Daniel in Daniel 10 did not happen without a fight. For that matter, he prayed about it, Sister Sheila, on day one. He didn't get no understanding till day 21. There was a period of time of 21 days when the prayer the first day had to continue to the prayer the second day and the prayer the third day and the 15th day. And that that prayer was accompanied with pushing back the plate. This is where we have the Daniel fast, right? Amen. The Daniel fast of pushing back the plate for 21 days of certain things. Amen. And certain measures. So there is a fight. He, he wanted understanding. And that's great concerning things of the last days. But it doesn't come without its adversaries. He's a little bit clueless about this in some regards. He just knows he's been praying and he's been fasting for 21 days, 20 days, let's call 20 days, and he's not heard a word. He's not any wiser concerning these things than what he was when he started on day number 21. <laughs> but can I tell you that all things are not apparent to the natural eye? Oh, let me say it like this. All progress that you are making it's not always apparent to the natural eye. There are some things you do in the natural, in this world, with your feet attached to this earth, through your prayer and your fasting, that you might not see no ripple in the water right here, right now. But there is a realm that our eye does not see and our mind sometimes can't comprehend that there is forward movement. Someone say amen. <laughs> He's battling it out through prayer and fasting for 21 days. He's waiting for his prayer to be answered. The angel of the Lord comes to Daniel and tells him, I heard your prayer the first day you spoke it. He said, but I was coming for your words and coming to give you some words. But in my process of coming, I was withstood. Put it up there if you will. Daniel 10, 13. The angel said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. One in 20 days. This is an angel of the Lord saying this. He's not saying that a literal prince of Persia withstood him, but with every city, town, and state, there is a principality. There is a principality that exercises dominion over locations and places and forms strongholds and towns and cities. He says, as I was coming, because Daniel's in Persia at this moment in time, he said, as I came, there was a prince of the kingdom of Persia that withstood me. Look now, 21 days, the whole time that Daniel was fasting and praying, there is a war that is going on in the heavenlies. There is a war going Going on in the realm of the spirit there is a withstanding but the angel said but lo Michael one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia who's Michael you have had mainly three archangels throughout scripture that we know of Gabriel Michael and one which was Lucifer which fell and took a third of the angels with him he says as I was warring against that prince of Persia a recruit came in amen of Michael and 
and he began to war with me. For 21 days, Daniel, we've been doing this. But please realize, for 21 days, Daniel had been praying. Daniel had been fasting. He didn't have a word. He didn't have an answer. But there was something going on that he was not privy to that... Can I tell you, they may not always manifest themselves in your real life, but when you're about to break a barrier, I guarantee you there's war going on somewhere. There's a battle. Don't stop praying and fasting after day five. You keep on keeping on. You might feel a little rattle, a little shake, a little discouragement, a little downheartedness, but you got to understand something is going on somewhere. Amen. Talk to you about breaking barriers. The wall of Jerusalem, Scripture says. I need to hurry. The wall of Jerusalem. Did I say that out loud? The wall of Jerusalem was broken down during the time of the Scriptures of the book of Nehemiah. The Bible says that the gates, the gates were burned with fire. Nehemiah takes a group of people there too. Evaluate the situation, not just evaluate, but to get together a plan, a game plan for rebuilding the walls, resetting the gates. When they finally show up to do what they had intended and planned to do to rebuild these walls and reset these gates. And notice these were the gates and the walls around about Jerusalem, that holy, sacred, beloved city. The house, the temple of God, and all the furnishings, so on and so forth. And so whenever they endeavored to do this, the Bible says, and you can look at it through your Bible with me in Nehemiah chapter number four. It's kind of walk through the Bible night. Amen. Nehemiah chapter number four, the Bible says, as soon, everybody says as soon. As soon as they started on the wall. As soon as they started rebuilding the walls of protection, if you will. And fortification around about Jerusalem. You read in verse number 1 of Nehemiah 4 that there were adversaries. There were adversaries that caught wind of their rebuilding and they were upset and the Bible says they mocked Nehemiah and those who started to build the wall. Well, Nehemiah and the boys keep building the wall. And... As the way would go. Whenever you start something, there's somewhere along the way, there's a, a halfway point. And they got to building the wall, and they had the mockers over there jesting and doing what they were doing as adversaries. But the Bible proclaims that whenever they got about halfway, when they got halfway, verses 6 and 8, and came to the halfway point, guess what? The adversaries kind of rear their head again, and the Bible kind of changes it up a little bit now. They're not just mocking adversaries. The Bible says the adversaries were angry and that the adversaries came to fight Nehemiah and his clan and to hinder and to hinder the work. What's going on, Nehemiah? I'm rebuilding a wall around the sacred holy city. And when I started, I, were, I, was, I was accosted by mockers. But now that I'm halfway into this, the heat is being turned up. They're coming and saying they're going to fight. 
the same they're going to hinder the word work if I can say it like this Nehemiah Nehemiah's experienced a little shaking a little jerking, a little rattling because there's a breakthrough of having accomplished what they wanted to accomplish for God's holy city of rebuilding the wall. They're, they're halfway there. And then the Bible says in Nehemiah 4, verses 9 and 10, says, nevertheless, someone say nevertheless, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. After they said we're going to hinder you, after they said we're going to show up and fight you, after they said we're going to come on your turf and we are angry and we are mad, there were two different responses, amen, to the adversary at that point of time. Can I tell you that you know that you are being fought when you realize that your enemy wants to hinder your progress? Because the enemy doesn't want to see you to grow. He doesn't want to see you advance. He doesn't want to see you use talents and abilities that you have in your life for the kingdom of God. The moment that you start to progress, he's going to try to hinder progress. When you get to a particular mark, he's like, oh no, we can't have this happen. But breakthroughs happen. When you get a verse 9, nevertheless in your spirit. Breakthroughs happen. Whenever they say, we're going to fight you and we're going to hinder you. And you say, well, nevertheless, I'm going to pray. Nevertheless, I'm going to show up for church. Nevertheless, I'm going to use my talents for God. Nevertheless, I'm going to worship. Nevertheless, when you get a nevertheless. See, see, barriers are broken when we go ahead and pray unto God. And we don't succumb to the mentality of those of verse number 10. Because the mentality of those of verse number 10 is this. We're not able mentality. Two different people here with the same attack, two different responses. One says, nevertheless, I'm going on. The other one says, we're not able there's too much. We're burdened down. We realize that this is more work than maybe what we should have bid off. Someone say amen. I, I just don't feel like I'm strong enough. I just, I just feel weak. It is the ploy of the enemy in the last days. Daniel 7 told, in Daniel 7 it told us that one of the ploys of the adversary in the last days, he wants to wear out the saints of the most high God. He wants to wear out. He in these last days, he wants to wear us out. Why? Because he doesn't want a church that has any fight in them. He doesn't want a church that has the ability to contend with the enemies that are standing at the effectual doors 
at the great doors. He is guarding an entrance. Can you imagine this for a moment? Your adversary is guarding an entrance and he's persuading you to give up. You can't do it. You can't pass through here. You can't penetrate. You can't endure the shaking and the rattling that's on this side of the door. He's wanting you to give up. <laughs> and when, listen to pastor, when you remain persistent, nevertheless, when you remain persistent at your great effectual door, get ready, because the enemy is going to up his attack. Verse number one, when they started building the wall, they're mocked at. Verse number eight, when they got at the halfway point, they are fought against. They said they were going to hinder them. But now at the verse 11 point of them nevertheless in going on, now the enemies threatened to come in among them and slay them. Starting child's play, mock you, tantalize you. Maybe, maybe that will be good enough, right? But if that doesn't work and they continue, we're going to fight you. Intimidation. Fear. But if that don't work, we're going to show up where you are. And we're going to be like the sniper. We're going to take you out. See, the enemy's just trying to find where your threshold of no deal is. He'll mock some of you out of your next level. He'll fight some of you out of your next level. But there's some of you that even if he threatens to kill you, you're still saying, nevertheless. Listen, I'm not downing anybody that's ever been mocked, amen, out of a place or been fought out of a place. What I'm telling you is this. If he's ever mocked you out of a place, go back there and persist one more time. Move past the mockery stage. Move past the fighting stage. Move past the empty threats of killing you stage and go on and break a barrier. And break through. All of that are just the mechanics of breaking a barrier. Whew. Someone say glory. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and what's the Nehemiah do? Huh. He says, they say kill. You know what he does? There they are. If you could just see it, I mean, put it in the, the terms of about breaking the barrier. They're shaking, rattling around. Well, this is rough. Fred, how you doing over there? It's rougher than I thought it'd be. What's going on? What's Nehemiah do? He says, let's push the throttle forward and give it one more mile. Let's push the throttle forward and give it one more mile. Let's push beyond the turbulence. Let's push beyond the intimidation. Let's push beyond the resistance. Let's put... My God, I feel the Holy Ghost arising in this place. Faith is rising in this house. Fred, you know what he did? 
he gathered the families that were working on the wall around. He says, take your sword, take your spear, take your bow. Why, Nehemiah? He said, because we're too close to give up. We're over halfway. Somebody hearing me right now tonight? You tell me you're going to have invested all your time and energy and dedication to get past the halfway mark and then put your tail between your legs and say, no, I'm over. Honey, you're over. You're already over halfway there. Why in the world would you stop now? Why in the world would you quit now? Why in the world would you give up now? Go on and put in just a little more effort, a little more time and push. You're almost beyond the bed. basically claiming and telling them through what he's asking them to grab we're not giving up we're going to fight and verse 15 of that same chapter then records this after the threat that they would kill them and slay them the Bible says we returned all of us to the wall we returned all of us to the wall everyone unto his work verse 18 says and so build it and the Bible records, I think it's Nehemiah 6, and the Bible records, and the walls to the city of Jerusalem were built in 52 days. How in the world, with all the mockery and the fighting and the, the threats, how in the world? Because somebody didn't stop in the process. You want a 52-day wall that you can point to later in your life? Then you can't stop in the process. You want the testimony of that was accomplished in 52 days? Then when things start rattling, you just got to buckle down and work through it. Amen. Breaking barriers. Breaking barriers. Later. Everybody say later. We did all right? Later in the book of Ezra, there comes a group Then's going to build an altar in that same holy city. They're going to start laying the foundation for the, rebu the rebuilding of the temple because the temple, not were just the walls and gates left in ruins, but the temple, the holy temple of God was left in ruins. And guess what happened, Brother Malone? When they endeavored to Make the altar afresh and start laying the foundation of the temple. Scripture says, adversaries showed up. Man, they must be involved in some important work here. With the altar and reestablishing the foundation of God's house. For it to get the attention of the adversaries. The adversaries show up. To these cats that are building the altar and particularly building the foundation of the temple. Let's just step back for a moment and really take an appreciation for this. The adversary showed up when they were just doing the foundation of the temple. You hear what I'm telling you? Because they know if that's where the start is, that's not where the finish is. <laughs> they come... Just like they did with Nehemiah when they're starting the thing. <laughs> and so adversaries show up. Look at it. Ezra 4 and 4. Walk through the Bible with me. 
the adversaries come and the Bible says they attempt to weaken the hands of the builders and that they trouble those who are building. Verse 5 goes on and says that they frustrate, they come to try to frustrate their purpose. And these adversaries are so conniving and in the way that they went about it and they sent letters and they kind of made some false accusations and, and, and brought it before people that, that had uh, some, some power in the land. These enemies were so conniving that they got the work stopped. And the Bible says that the laborer stopped. And for about two, two decades, I believe it is, 20 years, no building on the foundation. The enemy had prevented a break. He had thwarted them breaking a barrier. Someone say amen. We read later that God would stir up the hearts of like Haggai and Zechariah's prophets to once again inspire the people to go back to their work. And that's great and tremendous. And that temple finally got built. But it could have been built 20 years sooner. Listen to pastor, don't delay in your life what God wants to do in your life now. It's not to say it won't happen, but I couldn't tell you the counts of people that said, I wish I would have let this happen sooner. It's not going to happen without the greatness of the door and the many adversaries. Even Jesus, listen to me now. This should all make us, Sister Malin, feel, I mean, good about this whole scenario that happens still yet in our lives of effectual doors and adversaries. Even Jesus' testing in the wilderness, right? In, in, in Luke and in, in the other harmony of the Gospels, his testing in the wilderness by the devil, all of that preceded his public ministry. Before he started preaching and teaching in his public ministry was that testing in the wilderness by the devil. What was it? A great door. But there was an adversary. <laughs> Why? Because Satan didn't want Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to begin his ministry. Because if everything that the prophet spoke of was true... <laughs> the lame would walk. Woo. The blind would see. The gospel would be preached to the poor. The brokenhearted and the captive would be set. If everything was true that the Old Testament prophets spoke of, that would happen. So Satan did not want Jesus to begin his ministry. For that matter, 1 John chapter number 3 and 8 tells us a little bit about Jesus' ministry. The Bible says for this purpose... The Son of God, that's Jesus, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He says, we got to cut this thing off by the pass. we got to cut this thing off while it's well ahead. Because this very thing, if it breaks this barrier... It's on my heels. It's on my turf, on my ground. And I have no room to stand. I have no room to defeat. Someone say amen. 
He won't kill you because he can't kill you. But he'll discourage you. And he'll play with your mind with deception. And have you believe things that are untrue. And he pulls all those tactics because he just can't cut you off. What he really does, Brother Mason, in some means and fashion, is get you to cut yourself off. That's the ploy. He can't do it, so he tries, he tries to employ your help to accomplish it. Someone say amen. Anything that may advance the kingdom of God. Man, look at this altar, rebuilding the foundation, uh, the walls, the gates. Amen. Jesus' ministry, all these things. Paul with the gospel of Ephesus. Anything that may advance the kingdom of God or bring an awareness to the church or what God's wanting to accomplish through the church in this age personally in your life, will always have an adversary component attached to it. Revelation 3 and 8. Everybody doing okay? Revelation 3 and 8. This is one of the letters written to one of the churches, the church particularly of Philadelphia, the book of Revelation, one of the seven of Asia. Jesus is speaking here. This is red letters. He says, I know thy works. He's speaking to the church of Philadelphia. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Jesus speaking to the church of Philadelphia. He presents them with an open door. And man cannot shut it. Adversaries notice open doors. But adversaries can't shut open doors. So again, what do they do? They're going to discourage you, Sister Sheila. They're going to make you think you can't. They're going to strike fear in your heart with threats they can't pay on. They can't shut the door. They can't impact the door. So they'll just mock, fight, and hinder, and threaten to kill you. Because they can't do anything about the door. Someone say amen. Philadelphia. The city stood where the borders of three countries met. Philadelphia was a gateway from one continent to another continent. It was an access point from one continent to another continent. Philadelphia, the city, also laid on the edge of a great plain called the burnt, everybody say that with me, the burnt land, the burnt land. It was right on the edge to this abutting, this burnt land. It was a, a tremendous volcanic area. And as a result of being a volcanic area, listen to Pastor, it was one of the most fertile areas in the world. Because whenever a volcano erupts, it emits ash that fills the sky, that, that lands on the ground, that within that ash are many needful minerals. For growing successful crops and plants. 
it can totally what would seem like decimate, decimate an area of land a volcano can. But it also brings a lot of minerals into the soil that may not have been there before. That once the smoke has settled and the fire has went out, that land that was decimated is now the most fertile land. They say that there are some places around where volcanoes are, and this is a little untypical, that they can harvest three different crops in the same area in a year's time. Everybody doing okay? Stand with me, I'm closing. Breaking barriers. I said that to say this because as I read that, Brother Mason, something kindled back in my mind. Brother Moses told me in February, if I was you, I'd read that prophecy every year. You remember him saying that to me about the prophecy of this church. There's something that came back through a tongues interpretation message in that back in 2009 that said that the voice has spoken in time past. It is a burnt field. It is a dilapidated vineyard. But even I, the Lord, will cause spring shoots to come forth from a burnt field. And I will cause luscious fruit to appear from once which, which was a dilapidated vineyard. For I, the Lord, have spoken it this day. And know the words that I speak are sure. And they are unto you if you will hold on to them. Note now, go after it and secure it in your life. Thus saith the Lord. Listen, the door's not going anywhere. Jesus made it clear in the prior verses of Revelations 3.8. He made it clear. I have the key of David. I open doors that no man can shut. And I shut doors that no man can open. The door, even for the first apostolic church, the door is not going anywhere. But the purpose the antics of the enemy is to get the church to feel like they're too weak to walk through it. They can't handle the pressure. He'll mock. He'll threaten. He'll fight. He'll attempt to hinder because he knows he can't do anything about the door. So my question tonight is this. <laughs> my question is, if the door's not going anywhere, are you going anywhere? My question is if the door's not going anywhere, and part and parcel when there's a door, adversaries are a given. My question is will we thought throttle forward? Or are we going to pull back? There's people receiving the Holy Ghost. There's been some people be baptized. There's some things stirring in the water. But when there's effectual doors, there's many adversaries. <laughs> so there might be somewhere along the line, it's me and you in the cockpit. I'm like, huh? Tracy, this is rough. Reese, I don't know if I can take all of these things that the devil's lying to me in my mind. I don't know if I can handle the opposition that's happening in my life right now. What in the world's going on? I tell you what's going on. 
you're on the verge of breaking a barrier. The door's not going anywhere, but are you going anywhere? And if your answer is forward, man, I'll link arm with you. Let's go. We'll shake together. We'll shake, rattle, and row. I know that might be an old song, but I'm just saying we'll just shake and rattle and row together. Hey, man, through this thing and have a breakthrough and break through a barrier. Someone say, I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. That's what you need to tell yourself every time the enemy mocks. You just tell yourself, nevertheless, I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. When he lies to you and tries to deceive you and mess with your mind, you tell yourself, I must be on the verge of a If you believe that tonight, will you fill these altars? You can stand, you can worship, you can shake, rattle, and roll. Nevertheless, I'm going forward. Nevertheless, Breakthrough in my heart, breakthrough in my mind, breakthrough in my spirit, breakthrough in my soul. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.